because there's there's this question of like in the in the Harry Potter universe of like going to the bathroom or something, right? Of like, could could you just magic away? Oh yeah, like magic away your yep. your waste. You could just know? yeah. And but what I hadn't thought about is the other way around. Where can you magic away yourself and leave the waste behind? Scotch. <laughs> <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to episode 372 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam and I'm the web programmer. I'm Sam and I'm the artist. And this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is July 15th. 2020 U. And before we get started, we have a warning. Uh, there's going to be profanity on this show. So if you don't like that, then you know, you, don't, you just don't have to listen to it. That's okay. Mm-hmm. It's fine. You just you just wander on off and turn on some PBS or something. Or just bring your own you know, bleep really. button. And then every time you think it's about to happen, just hit it preemptively, you know, and that way you don't have to hear it. Ooh. So I will say, if you've seen those videos where the people just do that on regular words, it really sounds like people are it uh, does, saying yeah. real atrocious stuff. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it. I hate that sound, though. It's always – because especially when people use it on, like, some non-TV like TV context where it's, like, fine-tuned to be at the right audio level and stuff, you know? But, like, every – I've seen it, like, on a YouTube video or on a TikTok or something. Every time the creator, like, wants to use that effect, it's just, like, this horrible <laughs> – so loud, my favorite piercing thing. I'm like, you. Who would prefer that over hearing the word "fuck"? You my I mean? favorite like, is actually where they let you hear the first sound, the first phone right. ringing in this way. So it'd be like, and then there's a beep because you're like, I yeah. mean, I know exactly what that was, and you just made me say it in my head. You know, you know what I feel like though. I yeah, I feel like beeping words creates the the ankle phenomenon. Like yep. we've all heard about, and I don't know how true this is or even what time period it's from, but I guess there was like a point in time at some place somewhere, maybe even now, I don't know, yeah, where where the idea of of seeing an ankle was very scandalous <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> because they're always covered because, I don't know, long, long dresses or something. I don't know. Socks. So, for some yeah. reason, for mm-hmm. some reason. You never saw an ankle. And when you saw one, it's like, damn, mm. that's crazy, mm-hmm. right? Now, nobody gives a shit about ankles because you see them. You see them all over the place, right? I feel like beeping words, you know, turns them into ankles. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> because now it's like you 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 give them so much power. It's the Streisand like, effect, you know. Just, yeah, you're like, yeah. oh, my God, there's, there's just thousands and thousands of words that we are saying, and they're all just great, and they're gravy, and no, don't even worry about them. Don't, they're all fine. But then there's this, these three magic ones that are mm-hmm. so strong and so crazy <laughs> that we can't – people are saying them, but we can't let you hear them. We can't let those words squeeze through the radio waves or all hell will break loose, right? I, I love it. Because you know, bleeping or censoring them in any way just makes me say it in my own head. Which feels like a, you know, uh, just a shifting of the responsibility for what's happening here. Well, you <laughs> have to, because now you're trying to, you're yeah. trying to build out the context of like, because that Cannot. word conveyed something, you know, conveyed sometimes yep. direct meaning, other times some sort of flavor, you know. But either way, when that comes in, then now you have to like kind of backtrack in your brain and like compute what would have made sense if it was there, you know? Mm-hmm. It's automatic, too. It's not, you know, you choose to do it. It's just like, oh, yeah, exactly. making just, me swear in my own it. head now, I guess. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. So it makes it makes you swear instead of that person swearing. Exactly, but what are you Which doing? seems worse if you're... It does seem worse. If you're bummed by that kind of thing, but... 
But I think the the ultimate worst version of this is if you ever watch like a, a movie that's been adapted for TV where they don't bleep stuff. Uh, dub in the words. Instead, they dub in some uh, weird uh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> where you'll have some some like hardened you know war dude or something, and he'll just be like, "Oh, fudge sticks." <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's. That's the culture at that time. Yep. That pe- yeah. That's what people said when they uh-huh. were about to die, you yep. know? Oh, fiddles, fiddlesticks. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah. So anyways, uh, we'd also like to thank our supporters over at moneygrab.bscotch.net for, uh, for helping make the podcast possible. We have some donations with some messages today. Ooh. Uh, so we got a message from Brent P. Who says, started listening to the podcast from the beginning. And I'm currently on episode 162. Grab some of my money. Uh, we nice. did. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I we how, also got a, how beginning did they go? Because the beginning. I think I don't think we have posted before 13 at all, do we? We've got some I some think, someone somewhere I'm sure has made those episodes findable or something. Yeah, I think fine. we could just. Yeah, I think we straight up dropped one through twelve because the audio was so bad. I think we were finding our pod legs. Yeah. You know. Um, but yeah, you know, either way, a that's a lot of episodes and you've got, you're not even halfway at this point. So, uh-huh. uh, good luck. <laughs> uh, we also got a donation from Ledugur who says, thank you for giving me a break with each episode. You remind me that we can do great things with ADHD. <laughs> I was diagnosed uh-huh. at the age of 28, now going on 30 in the next month. So congrats yeah, on congrats. your upcoming midlife crisis. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, you, you, it's a doozy. It's always a doozy. Uh, diagnosis also revealed autism. It has been a struggle. Thanks for showing an example of how to handle it with humor. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the, uh, the pandemic times, you know, everybody stayed at home. Everybody was suddenly watching TikToks together, right. Or watching lots of YouTube videos, uh, just consuming so much more media than usual, but media made by other people. And all of these companies have gotten so good at pigeonholing you based on what you interact with and what you like and whatever. Right. That all of a sudden we all just found ourselves hearing from ADHD people or autistic people or whatever, right? And we're like, this all sounds very familiar, you know? <laughs> yeah. So there's apparently been an enormous spike in uh, diagnoses for basically everything under the sun um, over the past couple of years, which is interesting. Well, and I think I, I can't speak to the autism stuff, but for the ADHD side of things, you know, suddenly working from home. Definitely revealed a lot of a lot of instability, you know, yeah. in certain approaches that uh, that that other things kind of masked. Right, you go to the office and there's an inherent structure to it that kind of helps you operate within. But once you're mm-hmm. on your own, oh boy, ADHD time. It all changes. There's also there's a good number of studies that show too that uh, whether or not it's problematic for you um, in terms of just like interfering in a way that's goes beyond what you can manage also very much changes depending on your own context so that's why a lot of people oh, yeah. yeah oftentimes will first get diagnosed actually once they like say switch into uh like a really intense job or college or whatever else because it's you're suddenly beyond your capacity uh to manage even just with all the usual systems and stuff in place so yeah or it goes the other way we're like it's a problem we know when you're in 
high school or middle school or something because it's boring as hell. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, and you're expected to just sit completely still for seven hours and, you know, ask for permission to go to the bathroom and stuff. It's just a, it's just a nightmare. Yeah, uh, and, and then once you're once you're out of that context, you're like, oh, okay, this is better actually. This is <laughs> yeah. fine. Yeah, yeah. it's complicated yeah. intersections with all other things that are going on. Definitely. Um, yep. But yeah, it's mm-hmm. you know, if you can find ways to work with it and take advantage of the things it has to offer, you know, that you can offset some of the things that it makes really mm-hmm. difficult. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think I think kind of everyone goes to this. So I. I I don't think I've uh, said it on the podcast, but I also got an autism diagnosis as part of my journey through mental health uh, stuff over the pandemic times. Um, and it was one of those, along with the ADHD thing, it was one of those things where there's a, there's a bittersweetness to it, you know, where suddenly there's an explanation to a whole bunch of stuff that now fits. And it's like, oh, this. That's why that was hard. There's a, there's, yeah, yeah, there's like, there's an yeah. explanation here, right? Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you're looking back and you're like, oh, if only I had known this, you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, whatever, so that uh, I could have treated myself, but also asked other people to treat me, you know, differently, right? And mm-hmm. I could have like sought out support mechanisms and sought out the things that I could have benefited from. And so I've seen that in a lot of people who have like this around 25 to 40 years old when they get their ADHD and or autism diagnoses. Where there's just like it's that combo of just like intense happiness and intense like misery simultaneously, right? I'm trying to figure out like what does this mean? This kind of like regret. So uh, it's uh, it's something that you got to be very aware of as you're doing this stuff. That the journey is non-trivial, even when you find answers. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, well, and, you know, you've spent if if you're in that scenario, you know, you've spent your whole life just adjusting yourself to try to yeah. like match what everybody else expects. Right. And, and the, the whole time being told you're thing. doing it wrong. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. Like you're, you're working so much harder to, to fit in and, and go along with what everybody else is doing. Um, and everybody else seems to be doing it just fine. Right. And problem is like two things. One is not everybody is doing it just fine. A lot of them are just also masking it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, but because nobody can really nobody was able to identify what was going really going on or whatever, then, you know, it's this kind of weird combination of like things being really isolating um, for you and feel like you're alone when really you're not alone, but right. Cause like there are lots of people that are in your same situation, but nobody knows it. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, so now with stuff like, like, uh, you know, like you're saying TikTok and YouTube and stuff like that, where a lot of people are sort of algorithmically discovering what these things really are. And mm-hmm. and how to identify them, then people are realizing that they're a lot less alone than they mm-hmm. realized, and there's a lot more resources out there than they realized. Um, but what's what's good about people discovering this then is that the rest of us can adjust as can finally start to adjust as well, mm-hmm. right? As opposed to just demanding that anybody with any kind of neurodivergence just change everything that they're doing. Yep. All of the time, right? It's like mm-hmm. maybe we can all meet in the middle, meet in the middle. somewhere. Yeah, um, but yeah. If, but, you, if you don't know how to describe it, and you don't know what the differences are, right? And there, there is a little bit of a of a negative underpinning here that's kind of a frustrating too, which is this idea that you have to have a reason to not be the same as somebody else, right? As in, like, if yeah. you if you had you gotta have various, a, you gotta have a name for it, otherwise it doesn't it, right? count. Yeah. So so <laughs> the idea that you're not. 
if if you if you're like if other people just see you as weird, right? Or if you see other people as weird, um, and then that's just the and you're and like they're wondering like why can't they just do this? Like why? And like and there's a willfulness as, as, you know associated with it. Like the assumption is that you're just intentionally doing things the wrong way. You're right. just being belligerent or right. approaching life <laughs> the wrong way. And you're not allowed to just have that be the way you approach it unless there's some kind of a, you know, a umbrella label we can throw on top of that. Well, and, and what's problematic about that too is that no nobody is the same as exactly. the next person. Even it, so, so if you've got, you know, 10 people who have an autism diagnosis, are they identical? No, no, <laughs> no not even close, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're all, they are all going to have different, it's a constellation of things and the, and different, they'll have different sort of divergences in different ways. And then they'll experience things totally differently, just as anybody does. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it actually, it, it, it's weird because if you say like, oh, I need this accommodation from you because I have ADHD or whatever, then like you're saying, Adam, suddenly that lends a, a validity to yeah. it in that person's eyes that it otherwise didn't yeah, have. Because if you, you just said, said just like, described why, as in like yeah. the actual reason, if you said like, oh, I need this accommodation because I can't remember stuff very well, right? The people would be like, just try to just remember, remember stuff, stuff better. <laughs> you Don't make this my problem. Right? <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, and so, so it's dumb because like you have to put it into a box to get the accommodations that you need. Right. When really, if, if, uh, if people designed accommodations ahead of time based on these like broad categories, the accommodations would just be wrong for any one person's specific needs mm-hmm. because everybody's different. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. So people, you know, people just need to just be a little bit more, they just need to be a bit more understanding and empathetic toward people's quirks and recognize that, like everybody's doing their best, you know? And like, if somebody says that they need an adjustment from you because of something about how their brain works, it's fine. Like they don't need, they don't need to like put a name on it. You don't need mm-hmm. a, a doctor's note to not be treated like crap. <laughs> uh, yeah. So just let Anyways. people be different, you know? Yeah. It's all been very interesting. Uh, all right. Now, Sam, hmm. you have a panic story. Yes. I so, need to hear. Oh, I love a good panic story. Yeah. I about uh, <laughs> died laughing this uh, about two days ago. So, okay. Diana, my wife's making peanut butter jelly sandwiches for lunch. Okay. I feel like anytime peanut butter is involved yeah, in your household, something, <laughs> something is going, something is about to happen. Yeah. So, well, then you know. So, for whatever reason, she ends up with, uh, she got her plate, you know, got the, the peanut butter jelly sandwich on there. And then I don't know how she got it, but she had three butter knives. Like I'm assuming they're all they all have butter. They on all got them, stuff on, on them. them. Yeah, um, and they're know, precariously perched in well, variety so of because you got to <laughs> well you got to do that thing right where you don't want to touch the knives to the table right. So she's got these uh, now three of these butter knives next to each other, and then the sandwich all on a small plate. Okay, so there's kind of like a lot a lot there precarious. But why does she need the knives? Like, I don't know why already, she needs three. She's there's already confusion, okay? Because you've already made the sandwich, right? So like the the knife is done now. Knives. Yeah. Well, I, the knives are done now. There? I don't even so know you could put one. them in the sink or they're done now, but yeah, you so, got to bring them with you, I guess. <laughs> so she's got these three knives uh, and the plates, I mean, she hasn't moved the plate or anything. So she's just kind of finished up. And then suddenly uh, mm-hmm. there's this big like clatter and she does that thing where like, you know, you're like tap something that is when you're in this kind of precarious stack of things, uh, 
where it's it's just enough movement to scare the hell out of you. Like things are going to go sideways, but nothing's really happened. So I think she like tap one of the knives and then, and it has like an involuntary siege of like, you know, sort of like, like because all these knives are moving yeah, around. She kind of spasmed. And I'm standing about like five feet just to her side and she spasms and then her slipper goes flying off of her foot and goes soaring across the kitchen and then hits the faucet like a uh, cupboard on the other, like the other side of the kitchen wall. And it looks like a freaking like a slapstick comedy <laughs> sketch. Or something. Like, like their slippers. How like, the you know, hell did she do that? I don't know. I'm trying, I tried to, I'm trying to, do it to imagine. I was so shocked to, to at, eat like, a slipper across a kitchen to hit a cabinet. That's the, a lot of force. Well, the weirdest one, though, is like, because I tried to do it afterwards. I was, of course, mainly because I was making fun of her first. Uh, but then I couldn't actually get the slipper to come off my foot. And then I was even more That's shocked. That's what I'm saying. Because, yeah. <laughs> like, it's not, I mean, it's like, a, it's like a sandal, I guess, right? There's no back to it. So it's an important note. What kind of but emotion like did she make? I don't know. I don't know. It was one of those panic, because- just, bah, you know. So okay, but so so just to be clear, then the the peanut butter and the knives stayed, so stayed there. Yeah, yeah. So she so she essentially just slightly jangled a knife, and yeah. it clanked against a plate. And, and then thought she, maybe this is like evolving into a you know terrible three butter peanut right. butter filled knives flying then, in the air. And then her maybe. body's response was to fling a one leg out like a like a donkey. <laughs> I mean, maybe what, maybe what happened though, because you're diagnosing it. based on the outcome, right? Which is that nothing happens to the knives, right? And they're still there. Mm-hmm. And the slipper is now across the room, right? What if what actually happened was a very precise transfer of energy, mm-hmm. right? As in, had she not mm-hmm. flicked her mm-hmm. shoe across it, because it's an equal opposite it's a, reaction, right? Yeah, it's a propulsion so, like, mechanism. Yeah, exactly. So, so something would have happened, actually. The knives would have gone flying. Horrible things would have happened, except that she just perfectly balanced. Yeah, she captured the the kinetic energy that was about to launch. She got rid of it. Yeah, and she sent it all. <laughs> she channeled it all into the slipper, like uh-huh. a like redirecting lightning in Avatar: The Last Airbender. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She she captured the the accident, the chaos. She mm-hmm. captured the chaos in one channeled hand, it trans- out your foot. Channeled it yep. through her core out down her leg into her sandal, and then by hitting it <laughs> in a cupboard was a good you know, target for that. Oh, right? great! Because there was a window a, like a foot above that, so yeah, that could have been. Yeah, that's and it's like a it's a heavy thing with a lot of surface area. So in terms of like transfer of energy goes like you can dissipate a lot of energy into a big wide object you know especially with like kind of a floppy uh you know projectile like that it's like an excellent diffusion mechanism yeah Yeah. no you're right i you know kudos to uh to diana for that incredible avatar technique on yeah i like the idea of a of a superhero who can like redirect chaos Mm -hmm. you know but is also clumsy (laughs) (laughs) we're we're like they're you know, so they, you can't they, tell they're clumsy in the normal way because everything seems actually actually pristine. Like they don't fall, they don't knock things over. But there are other things happening though, constantly because they're, they're weird, dissipating all of the, <laughs> all of the entropy. Of it. Like their hair is just blowing in the wind, but there's no wind, sort of a thing. Like they're just yeah, constantly kind of thing, sort yeah. of yeah, things are sort of being channeled back right through there. Yeah. Honestly, this for some reason this makes me think of that Domino character from uh, from Deadpool, which is e- like that's just like my favorite superhero power ever. Remember what this? Did she do she, what is she's she's lucky. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She she just comes in and she's like, "I'm lucky," and he's like, "That's not 
that's <laughs> she's like, it's really good, you know? Uh, and then, yeah. And then they do their, their, they all dive down in their skydiving scene and like everybody dies except for Domino. And she's just, she's just always exactly in the right place at the right time. Mm-hmm. And things just keep fortuitously happening, enabling her. To, <laughs> and she can just, she can just like run across a street at full sprint and not look both ways and just always have a clear path, right? Mm-hmm. Because everything just kind of happens around her. And, and uh, at the beginning when she was like, I'm lucky. And I had the same reaction as, you know, Deadpool where I was like, what? <laughs> and, then when they, and then when they have that action scene, where just coincidentally, she just She's wins. Yep. Uh, every time I was like, damn, that actually is the best. That is the best ability I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's a good takeaway too, right? Because like, it's really easy to see the things that do happen. Right. And to like, yeah. So somebody's like, I can that. shoot lightning out of my face or yeah. something. Or like, like a that. shoe flew across the room. Right. But yeah. It's really easy to see those and you don't see the thing that didn't happen. Right. That's and true. so this is, this is true in business. It's true in life. Like the thing you focus on is the thing that you could see, the thing that did actually happen. And it's also true. Like as you start to get comfortable in your life, because things start going well or whatever, then bad things aren't happening. And then some people start to feel like restless and bored, right? And it's because mm-hmm. of the absence of a certain kind of chaos that used to happen, right? That isn't there. And they misattribute the comfort to like them missing Staleness. Yeah. To staleness, right? Instead of seeing it for what it is, which is the absence of something, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, because when you can't, you can't feel the absence. It's just, it's just not there. And so then you, you constantly misattribute how something happened or how you feel about a thing or whatever, because all you can ever really know is what you can see that happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and if being lucky just means like bad things don't happen to you, if, mm-hmm. if, if the, if there's a chance that they could not. Yep. Right. Then yeah, there's like, there's like a million things that just aren't happening Yeah. around. <laughs> yeah. And that like you never that, trip on the stairs. You never like every, like that's, it's true of all the, just the little things, right. And the things that you would never notice not happening because they barely matter even when they do. Right. But now they're just constantly not, they never happen now. Yeah. Right? You couldn't possibly be aware of that. Now, the one thing that is unbelievable though, about that scenario in the Deadpool movie is if your whole thing is that you're lucky, why would you, why would you not be a billionaire? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. By, by just your mid twenties, right? Just buy yeah, buy anything, a lottery ticket, buy some stocks, buy a house. Like like you could like you could take ten bucks and turn it into a billion because the you know you'll always be timing the market perfectly for mm-hmm. anything that you do. <laughs> buy some Bitcoin, like it's gonna go up immediately, right? I mean, maybe the maybe the luck only applies to like physical reality, you know, so that. Ooh. So that are you saying that money cons- isn't real? Adam? <laughs> so money has real effects, but it itself is not real, right? Are you saying that this is all make believe? Mm-hmm. It's just that it's just numbers in a computer somewhere. Yeah, because the luck the luck system has to you know like does it know does it understand how to read computers? You know what I mean? Like whatever whatever the luck mechanism is, is it if it operates just in like. The corporeal world. Well, the, like, well, the market I mean? is just that's just other people buying and selling things in the same way that her running across the street is just other people driving their cars. You know, it is, and but so, to orchestrate it at like the at that level, because that means that the luck system has to either be able to read computer stuff so it can like read the summary, right? Or it has to compute based on all the actions of all of these people. Oh, I mean, you can't look into this at all; otherwise, it falls apart. Because, for example. Like, could she be diagnosed with a with a 
rare disease. Well, the thing is, like, her body is actually 90% bacteria that are not human cells at all. So are only her cells lucky or are all Mm -hmm. of the bacteria in her body also working in concert to ensure that, you know, she herself, you know. Well, it's kind kind of like, like so many of these superpowers have this this uh, confusion of where the self ends and the world begins, right? Because like, because it's an example of that where it's like, is your is your microbiome, all the bacteria living in your guts, they're definitely not you. And we're definitely introduced there externally, you know. Also, like, you know, if you you turn invisible, you got like a layer of skin bacteria that's just... And a layer of poop, you know, and just inside your guts. So, yeah, if you turn invisible, you actually just see like a weird, dirty... Just like Float, floating you, poop, just like floating a gross. poop tube. Is that what <laughs> and like your and like yeah, your your hair is dead, right? So do you just see like a weird hair? hair <laughs> this is the longer we talk about with like, like poop inside. Yeah, because it is only the living parts that is it the living parts that you have gen, like genetic control over, basically, right? Because uh-huh. like a, like an X Men is in that in that. What about your stomach realm? acid? Like, would you just see like a sloshing, or like if you ate a burger? Basically, yeah. Would you just see like all of a person's? You'd see all of their water and stuff. You'd see their. You could see their inside of their blood because because like your blood vessels themselves are cells, like the walls are, Mm -hmm. right? But Mm -hmm. but the stuff flying through it is a combination of seventy percent of it is like. Plasma. But most of it's watery stuff, you yeah. know. It's like yeah, it's plasma. And- well, even worse is like, what if you could teleport? So it, so in the the new season of The Boys, there's a character who can teleport, but his clothes don't come with him. That's right? amazing. So, yeah, perfect. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which which is like they they took it a little bit down that path, right? Which is they're like, sure, if you can teleport, your clothes aren't you, so mm-hmm. your clothes can't teleport, right? But then at some point, he teleports somebody else. Yeah. Right? And that person's clothes don't come with them. And it's like, okay, so like, what the fuck's going on here? So now you can teleport anything he touches as long as it's people? As long as it's a person, (laughs) right? Which which then it's like, okay, well, what about things like, you know, your digestive tract is outside of your body, right? Well, the stuff... The stuff in so, your yeah, digestive tract. Yeah. Your, your tract itself like, is the surface of your body. This is one yeah. of my favorite podcast themes is that people are tubes, right? Yep. So, so uh, the inside of your stomach is the outside of your body, yeah, right? Top, topologically. Because, yeah, topologically. And so if you eat a burger, like the way that that burger actually becomes you is that it goes from your digestive tract, gets dissolved down by acid, and then it gets incorporated into your into bloodstream your at like a tiny molecular level. But it right? has to to do that it has to get absorbed through that actual outer layer of your body, which is your yeah, your gut lining. So. It has to go from outside your body to inside your yeah. body. But and that's, that not, doesn't, that's not what happens when you eat stuff. That's what happens when when you, you digest, digest it. stuff and it gets Yeah. Eaten. So there's a long period of time where stuff is in your stomach. So you're saying, if but you could still teleport, outside your body, right? Then in theory, if you could teleport, eat a burger and teleport, and the burger is just like left drops behind. to the floor. It, what you would leave behind is just a burger and a bunch of shit. <laughs> <laughs> and, and also, this, this like Adam was saying, how- all of your gut, all of your gut flora would just suddenly be gone because, like. That's also outside your body. It's a bunch of bacteria that lives in your intestines, yeah. right? And so like you, you, have you would just instant problems. Oh yeah, you would instantly be hungry, <laughs> and also you need um, to like ch- just like chug a probiotics bottle every time you jump. I guess, yeah. which would yeah, you wouldn't need to poop though because you would never have any. 
And so it's actually, it's kind of like, you know how like airplanes uh, just, actually, I don't know if they actually do that, if that's just one of those urban legend things, but like how airplanes just like drop the contents of their lavatories right yeah, over like the ocean. I don't do that anymore. Yeah, I don't true. think that, yeah, they definitely but, don't do that. <laughs> but, like, but, but like, but like boats do, like boats just like drop yeah. stuff into the ocean, right? So, but it's this idea, it's, it's like the same idea of like a boat's just traveling and then at some moment while it's traveling, it's just, it's as if it teleported because the ins, mm, its insides just suddenly are somewhere else now, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so you could use the same strategy because like, because there's, there's this question of like in the, in the Harry Potter universe of like going to the bathroom or something, right? Of like, could could you just magic away? Oh yeah, like magic away your, yep. your waste. You could just yeah. yeah. And but what I hadn't thought about is the other way around. Or can you magic away yourself and leave the waste behind? <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's just, <laughs> it's just <laughs> sitting there in the air and then falls onto the ground because it would be it would make a mess. You would need a what a what strategy. an exit. Yep. What an exit. <laughs> you know, you're, you're, you're at like a company strategy meeting or something, and you're like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm at this. I'm out. This whole this yep. whole project. This sucks. I don't want to be a part of this. And you just eat yourself out of this plane of existence and you just leave behind like a floating, you know, all the shit, it's all the gross. stuff and that a, was and in your of, And it just kind of flops onto the chair. Yeah, I mean, yeah. a lot of mechanisms kind of out in the wild <laughs> that animals do to protect themselves is this kind of like last ditch absurd thing. Like animals that like vomit out their like internals, their you know, lungs or something. Or they you know, shoot out an ink cloud to, that's like mm-hmm. full of mucus and stuff to get all over you, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, because because one of the things, one of the themes that doesn't get explored that much in superhero stuff is just like everyday life. If basically magic, but random magic was common, right? Because most of it, most of the time, is going to leave you in some sort of a endangered state or some societally unacceptable state. Like if you yeah. can teleport, but you leave your poop behind, you know. Oh, honestly, even like, you teleport, but you just show up naked. Like, or you just that's show a up problem. Naked. You know what I mean? Like, that's not. Yeah, it means you actually can't use it in like the broader context of yeah. society, unless, unless of course, society changes a lot to compensate for the sheer amount of chaos, right? Uh, but that, what that would mean then is just like in like with kinds of animals that do stuff is that if it was like mundane and every day that people could just have random magic powers, mostly it would just be too unsafe or unsavory to actually make use of them. And so they would kind of be like, like not actually, it would be, it would be considered like impolite probably to like actually use them. Use well, them the, you know? Now what I want to see is a, is a, a story about someone who can teleport. And so what they, what they do is they're always, and they get really good at shoplifting because they have to teleport into like Marshall's or other clothes department stores. Every time they jump, like you have to find the nearest department store to wherever mm-hmm. your actual target location is. Jump there first, steal clothes and get them on and then get out. Yeah. And that's sort of like how they network around. Yeah, but the problem is, is you can't, if somebody catches you for shoplifting, then you can't take that stuff with you. So you just have to be naked somewhere else again. Yeah. It's yeah. just like, <laughs> it's like chain of being naked in a random place until <laughs> nobody catches you. Yeah. Well, Not this is, I mean, to, like this is, this is in part what, you know, what that show, The, the Boys is, is, tries to get at is this idea of like, what if, what if people do have, what if there are superheroes that have superpowers and then what would really happen? Yeah. Like what would, although it's all focused real- on like the, all the worst things that could happen is kind of what that right. show's about. Right. But, but it yeah. is, yeah, it does try to take like a, what if it really, what if people really could do this stuff? Like, and most like, of it's gross if- is, is the answer. Yeah. 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 What if there was a dude that could that could fly, was invincible, could see through things, hear everything, and could shoot lasers out of his eyes? What if there was a guy like that? Mm-hmm. Uh, what would that guy be like, and what would it be like to live in the world alongside that guy? Mm-hmm. You know, 
Um, yeah. So, but, but I want to see that kind of thing. Cause like I've talked in the past about how it bothers me that Harry Potter, the Harry Potter universe is just mm-hmm. our world that has a, that has secret wizards mm-hmm. who have opted to do nothing with their magic to alter the course of history or society. Right. Um, cause like imagine like Voldemort could have been an absolutely terrifying villain because he's a wizard. Mm-hmm. He can do yeah. magic. He, like we're talking about all the wild shit that in theory wizards could do, uh, and they just don't do any of it. They it's just don't like, do it at all, right? Yeah, it's, it's like the it's like the Jedi in the Star Wars universe, you know, like the Sith, right? There's only one scene in the entire fucking all of the Star Wars things, at least the ones that I've seen, um, where I was like, holy shit. And that's that in Rogue One when Darth Vader's like just moving through the ship and just like throwing people aside and, and he, but he's just like coming, you know, and just like, mm-hmm. he's just walking forward. He's just walking a normal forward clip. And, and chaos is erupting around him. Right. And, and like, and everyone's just trying to get away. Right. And I think like the boys does a good job of this too. Like with that, you know, with the, the Superman Homelander. character, right. Um, yeah. Where, where every time he's around, like everyone is, everyone's on edge. the fuck out. Everyone's just on edge. Like, cause like, cause they know that it, it just in a moment, it's like dealing with a force yeah. of nature, not a person, right? Exactly. Yeah. 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 But the problem is the problem though is is even if you think about like that scene in Star Wars, what actually happens in that scene in Rogue One is Darth Vader's in a hallway with a bunch of dudes who he mm-hmm. knows one of them has this the plans to the Death Star mm-hmm. on a disc, and and that person just passes those plans through a door. Yeah, and the door stops him in the end, right? Yeah, and it's like yeah. he could he could have just force yanked yeah. that disc mm-hmm. right out of that guy's hands, or he could have forced that shit back because we know. Yeah, he could have cut the door right. open. Uh, he could have done all he, kinds he, of things. Yeah. He could have so done all it kinds always of things. Ends up being, and I think in, in so many cases it has to be because once you get into that overpowered of a state, because we talked about this in the past too, right? How like so much of superhero storylines involve trying to f- come up with a lame ass reason why the superhero doesn't have the powers they supposedly mm-hmm. have. Like to the extent mm-hmm. they supposedly have them, because if they did actually, then you can't tell the same kinds of stories anymore. Well, then every story just kind of becomes like a horror story, as yeah. opposed to like, <laughs> oh look, the good guys have a chance. It's like, no, they don't. You yeah. know, there's just there's just no way. <laughs> no, uh, anyways, well, let's let's try to get uh, at least a question in let's today. Do what do you guys think? Yeah, let's all go. right. Uh, These questions come from our listeners over at podcast.bscotch.net. The highest upvoted question comes from Wookaloop, who says, Shenanajam, will it return? Mm, Or is it gone forever? Crying emoji. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Shenanajam. When was the last, like, 2018? I think it was 18. We did it in 2019. So we made Fields of Goop. Was I think the last time we did Yeah. Whenever that was. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because we yeah, we made our MMO. <laughs> you know, yeah, get, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I which think, was a pretty fun thing. The thing is, it was it's it was very fun to to do, and uh, wasn't actually too heavy to run. Once we kind of, I think definitely the second or third time around, I think mainly it just comes down to like it is a whole other big thing to do on top of all the other stuff. And really, honestly, I mean, after making that MMO in a weekend, I think we were just like, well, until we're using just like a new engine and. Entirely new tech. I think we're like good. We're good. Not that we won. Yeah. Anyway, from like you know, yeah. There's a billion new things to do on the well, I think side, but like, yeah, we had the most. We've had the most fun in the past with game because we actually haven't done like a game jam really since yeah, then. A long time either, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think Seth. Yeah, I've, I've done. There, yeah, I've but, done a few. Yeah, yeah I, did, but, I did a couple last year. Yeah, uh, but there's like for, as for my experience of game jams, the value has been historically um, the sense of of like there's a there's a bunch of components to it, right? So one is like the camaraderie around the the chaos and the dedicated time spent, right? Mm-hmm. And also at the same time, having made a conscious decision that like nothing else is going on, like I'm just mm-hmm. doing this, right? Um, but I've already, I've now really done that and established that with my normal work. Right. Uh, and so then another part is like kind of getting to do whatever you want, regardless of the consequences. You're not trying to make a game to sell. You're not trying to, no doesn't need to scale, about. doesn't need to have maintenance, right? Like all these things that normally make all of uh, game development really complicated. You can just kind of, you just kind of throw away. It's fine. Um, but similarly, again, like at this point, all of our stuff is smooth enough in terms of like how our systems and our our tools and our pipeline, like all that stuff is smooth enough that that, that those things don't actually feel so much like they're in the way mm-hmm. anyway. And then there's like exploration of new tech and ideas, but we're, as we're working on like Crashlands 2 in particular on a new title, like we're doing so much of that yeah. that I'm not like seeking out more, you know? So it's just one of those things that like collectively, when we're like bogged down on a grind, a game yeah. jam is just this huge breath of fresh air, right? Uh, or when we want to try something new, but like this isn't the context for it. You know, like a, a, a production game isn't the context for it. Same deal. It's like super fun, right? And it feels like you get to explore that space. Um, but I I personally haven't felt like I've needed to since Levelhead, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm in the in the same, same boat. boat. Although just, they just kind of beg the question, because I think jams are kind of that transformative experience where especially early on when you you don't know what's possible, you don't know what you're capable of, you know. And you just need to give yourself the time to commit to kind of flailing in a space for a while. Yeah. And then come out of it with something really surprising that you didn't know that you were capable of, of doing, right? And that's kind of the, the magic of, of a game jam. And like um, I actually did a global game jam in January. I convinced a couple of my WoW guildmates to do it. And none of them had ever done – anything like I forgot this. The, no, that was just this year. It seemed like it was a long time ago. It seemed but. like a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> but, but what was interesting is, is basically what I said to them is I was like, if you've never done this before or anything like this before, you got to do it once because mm-hmm. it's a trans, it's a transformative experience. It's like LSD is my understanding, right? It's <laughs> yeah. like, like you do, you do it. And then suddenly, suddenly that is a pivotal experience that alters the course of your life in some way. And you don't mm-hmm. know what that's going to be. Right. And one interesting thing that came of it was the two people who who uh, I worked with for who did the art, um, they had both been doing like a little bit of art stuff with um, physical media. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just like for fun, just, you know, drawing stuff with like colored pencils and, you know, whatever. Um, and they had no digital art experience, right? And so I showed them Inkscape and kind of talked through some of that stuff and um, and they made some stuff for the for the jam. And by the end of the jam, the art that they were making was way better than what they had done on the, the first day of the mm-hmm. jam. Right. Yeah. And suddenly they were pumped. And in the following months, they both bought iPads and procreate. procreate. Nice. And, and they, they've been, they've been just on a, on a binge just ever <laughs> since then, just like making character art and fan art of like their wow characters and, uh, yeah, they're just they're just all in on it, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and it was just one of those like activating moments where you f- suddenly see that you're capable of a lot more than you realize, and there's a lot bigger 
there's a lot more tools out there than you realized as well. And then you kind of, you can't put the, you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. Yeah. Right. I think, I think for that purpose in particular, when it comes to any new, like if you're doing new tech or even just a new thing entirely, it really, it's, what's interesting about it was when Seth and I taught that uh, game dev course at Wash U, and when we're looking at the total hours that students are putting into projects as well as their class time and stuff like that. And the reality is that, like, if you do a game jam, it's essentially a semester's worth of activity oh, yeah. and knowledge like, yeah. about the, whatever yeah, the, the fuck difference is the absence of like the guided instructor yes. com- component. Right. But in terms of actual high leverage experiential time spend, Mm-hmm. It's going to be very, yeah, which very is eye opening because if you think about like okay, like a three credit hour course, sixteen weeks in a semester, that's forty eight hours, mm-hmm. right? Like that's a weekend mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. is is an entire semester's worth of you know, and of course, like like Adam's saying, it's it take you know having a lecture and then like taking a couple days and like doing some work and like letting those ideas kind of you know marinate is very different than just like a 48 hour sprint <laughs> yeah that's very different but but at the same time it is kind of it is kind of uh surprising it is that like that the amount of hours that you spend in a classroom over an entire 16 week period is the same number of hours just as there are in a weekend right mm-hmm. um it's just weird but yeah it's if you take if you take those forty eight hours in a weekend, which I guess you also have to sleep and others, it's not full forty hours, but still, like you take those hours in a weekend, it's and like you half just, of that, but yeah, you just put them into something, um, and it doesn't it doesn't have to be games. Like you could just be like, you know what, I'm gonna do a music jam this weekend. I don't know anything about music. I don't know how it works. I don't know how to make music, but I'm gonna make a song mm-hmm. by the end of this weekend, and then just like twelve hours on Saturday, twelve hours on Sunday. You're just figuring out how to make music at the exclusion of all else, mm-hmm. right? You'll have a song composed by the end of that weekend that you can listen to that you made. Will it be good? I think it'll it'll be, I, it actually it might be. Better be than you, you know, expect. you don't know. Yeah, it'll yeah. be better. It'll be far better than you expect. And at the end, you'll have new ways of looking at things and new problem solving tools that you just didn't have before. So, um, you know, jams are always useful if you're if you're stuck or in a rut or you want to try something new. Mm-hmm. You know. Because you just need to give yourself that space. Well, I think it's also that committing to a jam is actually, it's sound, people who haven't done it, it sounds like a really big commitment. But to me, committing to practicing something for like an hour a day, half an hour a day, whatever, right? Committing it's to so much harder. Is yeah. actually so much harder. harder. <laughs> it seems on the surface easier because it's like, oh, I can just like do a little bit here. I can like fit it in between stuff and do a little bit here, do a little bit there, right? But when you're trying to fit it in between things and you're trying to like make yourself do it and then you're trying to do it consistently, all of those things are really hard. And I think in on top of that, like during the initialization phase of any skill, when you suck. Oh, you yeah. Know, the first part's the worst. Yep. The first, like you try to set up, even setting up like VS Code on your computer the first time and getting like your programming environment set up, whatever else. It's going to take a... F- fucking yeah. minute you know what I mean like it's well, like, and it's what, so disappointing sessions? yeah because if you go if you go like oh I'm gonna take my, I'm gonna like put 30 minutes a day into working on program if all 30 of those minutes go into just googling shit about how to get VS code set up, <laughs> yeah, then at the end at the end of that you know are you excited to come back the next day if you haven't even finished setting up VS code no you're not excited <laughs> yeah, not. to come back to that you just fall off the wagon immediately right yeah. but but if it's the first 30 minutes of a 48 hour situation event, yeah then you're like, I got to get through. I got to get this VS Code thing figured out so I can get get on, on to the the other stuff. You yeah. know, it's and really so good just, to for for building momentum, and uh, and then you can use that to carry through those you know more consistent practices and stuff. Yeah, like that. you can get over those initial 
those initial humps of, of difficulty. Um, and I think so much is just like the ability to, as I said, like most of the stuff that happens at the beginning of anything new is just frustrating and isn't the thing that you set out to try to do. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's something related to it. It's learning the things that you need to know. It's setting up your, your tools. It's doing that kind of stuff. Uh, but it's not even actually doing it. And then it's just I, a lot of time being stuck. Yep. Yeah. And, and it just takes time that, to get unstuck. You know? Yeah. And then once you get past that, now you're just doing the thing really, really poorly as you learn how to do it and you're trying to figure out how to use all these things that you set up and so on. And so if you can get just enough done all in one go to the point where you start to see what it would mean to do the thing the way you imagined it, right? Yeah. Then now you're at the point, the point where making yourself do it is just not because you're actually doing the thing that you wanted to do. Yeah, you get to look forward to it as opposed to being like, oh, there's yep. another pile of nonsense I have to dig through before I can go suck at something, which is not exactly exciting. Yeah. Uh, all right, well, we have time for one brief question. Let's go. Before we wrap. Uh, this question comes from Retro Banana Man NL, who says, in episode 362, you talked about accessibility. I've been following a streamer, and she has simulation sickness. Uh, stuff like screen shake and moving backgrounds and menus are absolute turnoffs. Are you planning to add options to turn those off to make it more accessible for people with simulation sickness? Or have I never looked into the options menu and you already added that in <laughs> other games? So this is something that we didn't do as much of earlier because we didn't have a very easy way to add options to our menus. It wasn't really until level head that we we developed a new settings system. It's just it's it's a way to extremely easily add and categorize settings and then just at any point throughout the game just to ask like is this setting turned on? Is that setting turned on or what is this setting set to, right? And then just have the game do different things based on those. So it is something then that once we got the settings system created, we were able to start doing things like that in in level head, for example, we have like our color blindness um, modes and turn off we tried to, backgrounds and all sorts yeah. of stuff. Yeah, you can change backgrounds. Um, and we can we can layer in all kinds of things like if we want to be able to turn off screen shake. And I can't remember if we did that in level head. I think I think we have a screen shake option, but I I can't remember. Um but a lot of these things too just come down to uh, awareness, right? Where yeah, that's always the biggest one for accessibility concerns. Yes, yeah, yeah. which is like if we if we don't know that that something can cause a problem for someone, it's just not on our radar. Then we we don't put a setting in for it, right? Uh, once we are aware of it, then we try to make sure that we that we do that depend and it kind of depends on what it is. So like, for example, if, if you're making a VR game, right, there's no way that you're going to be <laughs> able, that you're going to be able to make something for, for somebody with simulation sickness because you're VR in, itself, in the VR itself, it just is that. And so there, there are sort of like limits to what you can do depending on what it is that you're making. Um, well, that's yeah, for us, what accessibility is, is it's the intersection of like the, the purpose and the, audience and trying to find, trying to find uh, design approaches given all of the context to just shift the design in some way to make something more available to more people but it never means always available to literally everybody under all circumstances because nothing yeah no nothing thing can actually accommodate every way of interacting with it um and so the goal is always like just to try to have as much awareness as, as we can and then try to see where we can improve and extend accessibility of the designs. 
Oh yeah, and it's it's something that we 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 like to do because in in a lot of these cases it is kind of low hanging fruit in terms of like it's a it's a thing that's not very expensive to add, but it opens mm-hmm. up a whole new group of people, right? Um, and so you know, to me, accessibility is just basically recognizing that that based on the current design of the thing that you're making, there's a certain group of people who can engage with it, right? And then there's mm-hmm. other people who can't, right? So some people can access it. Some people can't access it. So that even comes down to things like localization or whatever, right? Which yeah. is like, it's not just it, about like a person's physical capacity or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's about it's about it's it's actually about just trying to understand the diversity of kinds of people in their context that would be interacting with the thing that you're making. Yeah. And, and so that, yeah. and that's that's also like um, it's, it's just, to me, it's just, yeah, it's all about different ways of engaging with the game. So that comes down to di- even accommodating different form factors. Can somebody play it with different kinds of peripherals? Can they play it mm-hmm. on different screens? Does, does the game adjust if somebody like, can, can we t- like make the UI elements a little bit bigger? Can somebody check that box so that if their vision isn't as good, you know, then mm-hmm. they can, they can see the UI elements better. Um, or if know, they have more or- trouble with you know precision of movement so that they don't have to hit a, a tiny target right on the screen. Yeah, like, yeah, can can you add in a little option for like some kind of smart targeting that kind of like helps auto target, you know, things like that. Yeah, um, that's that's the other thing too is that most kinds of uh, accessibility um, design, um, which is usually about providing a range of things is kind of usually what the strategy is, right? Most things are actually helpful for most people, right? Because it's not about, again, it's not about just like literal, are you literally able to do X? And now let's try to find a way to compensate for that. Like that's actually, that's a piece of it. It's actually a tiny piece of it. Like the actual nuance part that's interesting is the same way you treat designing a product for anybody in the first place, which is try to figure out who those people are, right? Who, what are the people like? How would they interact with this thing? What do they need it for? What are they using it for? And then trying to meet them where they're at or find ways to do that uh, in just the most general sense. So this is kind of interesting. I was actually reading about, there's a this guy who, who plays WoW and he's blind. So he, he plays with his wife and there's a feature in the game just called autofollow where you can, you can target somebody and then you type slash follow in the chat box and then your character just follows them, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so – and you can also – there's a there's a, an add-on called Weak Auras where you can create these little custom UI elements that can have different sound cues and stuff like that associated mm-hmm. with them. And so essentially his, he, his wife has helped him set up uh, hotkeys and using these Weak Auras so that he can hit buttons uh, to – automatically follow her without having to like type, you know, slash follow, like target her and type slash follow. He's got different hotkeys set up for automatically targeting certain things. Uh, and then basically he navigates the world where she's almost like a, you know, like a guide, a guide right? Yeah. So she, so she navigates the world and his character follows her. And then when they get into combat and do all these different things, then she kind of helps him position. And then he can still do all kinds of things based on all these audio cues and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, but, but like, I think one of the coolest parts about that is that that wasn't baked into the design, right? But there were aspects of the design of WoW that made that possible, which is the ability to have hotkeys and the ability to have extensions that can like interact with the game that mm-hmm. people outside of Blizzard are allowed to make. Yeah. And then really good audio cueing, right? But here's, but here's where things kind of go a little bit sideways, right? Which is like, if you don't recognize that, that that's a way that people are playing your game, right? 
then you can you can fall into a trap by like introducing a feature that actually excludes somebody. Yeah. And so what's what you can do right now in the game is you can have mounts so you can get on a, you know, a dragon or you know whatever and and that lets you fly around or lets you move a lot faster, right? So they also have passenger mounts where you can get on a mount and then there's extra seats so another player can mm. jump onto the mount with you and then they're just along for the ride as a passenger and then you you drive them out, right? And so for this couple, that was a big way that they were able to navigate the world as well is, is she could get onto a passenger mount and then he could just jump in as the passenger and she could drive around, right? Well, this next expansion that's coming, uh, I think in December – has a new feature called it's just called like dragon riding and it's essentially it's a replacement for how flying works in the game where it's actually kind of physicsy and like mm. you're you're dra- you you have a dragon that you kind of like cultivate over time and add abilities to it which are like different buttons to maneuver it and have it like flap and hover and you have to like maintain altitude and there's all these different, you know, ways of handling it that are a lot more than just like aim the direction you want to go and push forwards, you know? But their idea with this system is that it's intended to be very personal to you. So you have your own dragon that you are sort of like training over time to be able to do all these things and there aren't passenger dragons, Mm-hmm. There's no passenger mounts, and they're building this entire next uh, next continent around this new way of flying. And it's so, like the way that you're going to navigate it largely is by flying your dragon around, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so this this uh, this dude made this post asking about like, what am I supposed to do? Like, I can't, I can't. Right. There's, actually, there's no way to even yeah, using external tools and stuff to circumnavigate the design. Simu- similar to the VR simulation sickness program. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. And the thing is, like, it's still early enough that they could, they could in theory, you know, add in a, a passenger version of this, right? Like somebody can jump on your dragon's back with you, right? And then so it's it is there, but you know, those are those kinds of of traps where like if you make a game, but then you're not watching how people are engaging with it then you might introduce a feature that actually sort of runs afoul of how people have adapted to be able to play your game based on whatever their current, you know, limitations are, right? Um, so yeah. it's, just, it, it's like with any of these things, any, anytime you're talking about aspects of, of the diversity of the people that you're making something for, if everybody involved in the process isn't trying to think through just the kinds of people that exist as they're designing things, then this is where you end up in those kinds of scenarios, right? Where if someone isn't thinking about accessibility just as part of the design process, where they've got like, here's the questions that we generally ask, which is like, what happens to these different groups of people if like with this content? And the answer does that doesn't mean the answer always has to be, well, we can't find a way to make this work, therefore we can't do it, right? It's yeah, about you can't make something for everybody. It's just not a thing. Yeah, but it's about you knowing that you have done this, right? <laughs> and doing it. With intention and with uh, and with a reason where you've decided that what you're trying to do can't make room for this kind of thing, whatever. Oh yeah, it is. Right? Yeah, and, and for sure, like it would be a surprise, I think, to many of the people who made the game to find out that there are blind players playing it. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, because it necessarily fit in the box of what you thought was possible. Frankly, yeah, that, that, that was that wasn't the original. You know, that like there, there's no, there's no baseline stuff in the game that is intended to allow for that. Yeah. Right. Right. But people have figured it out and now you've got them. Like yeah. now that you have them as players and they are playing your game now. And so, well, so yeah. at that point it's like, okay, well like you should definitely at least be thinking about 
their experience now because they're they're here, right? And they want to keep playing, and they and and like you can improve their experience or you can worsen it. <laughs> yeah, well, um, and, but yeah, based I think on new things too, to do. Like the, the idea that you, you don't like because you might not know how you might not be able to solve everything, especially as a really small team, you just don't have enough time or expertise, right? Yeah. Um, but when you're aware of these kinds of things, it's like because if it, treating sound design as an aspect of accessibility, just like out of the gate, is a really important one because. That's just another way that people are getting information. Like anything that's an information source out of the game, right, is something that if it's done with that in mind, so you just have more sounds than you maybe otherwise would, and a, and a more and sounds to reflect more things, so that there's always a sound that happens when almost any time anything happens, right? It's like a way that you can do that. Where now all of a sudden you you might not be able to even conceive of how like this thing that you've made could actually be used by somebody who couldn't see very well. Um, but if you've provided all of these audio cues, like that person might figure it out, right? Mm -hmm. So even if you couldn't figure out how to like fully accommodate that thing by by just adding all these extra layers of things. And I think, and I think that one really big one um, is making the internals of the game in some way accessible, right? Because that's where you can, like the community of really smart people who are out in the world who like want to interact with the things that... They can make, mod it. They can they can find ways you, using their deep, you know, years and years and years learned expertise. But of course, if you're a big company, you really need to have some of those people on your payroll, right? So that you can actually get live, constant feedback and uh, actual, you know, work done towards those ends. Yep. Yeah. So I guess long story short is yeah, we we love trying to figure out ways to add those kinds of features. There's a million different dimensions that you can that you need to be considering, and you know, we do our best. Uh, and we're always trying to trying to learn more about those things. So, uh, and that's all the time we have for this week. Uh, we'd like to thank our producers, Fat Bard and Jen Coster, for putting the podcast together. And thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord running. To get more involved in the Butterscotch community, just go to podcast.bscotch.net, where we have links to the Discord, a way for you to donate, and links to the archives. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.